Hey everyone, what's going on? My name is Stephanie Graham. I'm an artist and filmmaker, and I'm also an extremely curious person. Some will go as far as to say that I am nosy as the, the nerve. <laughs> I started this podcast because I wanted to interview people. I'm not just talking to anyone either. I'm talking to people who are in the thick of what they do. I want to know how they live their life and how they get things done so that I could apply some of their savvy to my own life. I'm sharing this with you so that you too can do the same. We can do it together. We all gotta start somewhere, and if you're not looking for practical info, stick around anyway, because my guests are fascinating, and it's my goal to get to the bottom of their shh. I mean, aren't we all just a little bit curious of what it's like to live someone else's life? And if we do it the same? There are also times when I will feel called to catch up with you one-on-one and let you know about what's going on with me, either in life or with my art practice. You didn't think I'd get the dirt on all these cool people and not let you know what's going on with me, did you? I mean, I'm a Libra. We believe in balance. Listen, I am a big believer that even though we are all different, we can still find ways to relate to each other. It's time to get down to business, so welcome to the Nosy AF Podcast. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Nosy AF podcast. Today's conversation is with artist Alberto Aguilar. I have a lot to say about Alberto, so here we go. He is a man who has a lot going on. He's pretty fly, so I'm excited for you to hear our conversation so you can get to know him better. So Alberto was a Chicago-based artist, and he makes work wherever he is with whatever material is at hand, and he collaborates with whoever is near. This is just how Alberto is. He lives and makes his life this way and like makes his art this way. And working like this, it allows him to be more present in all of his given roles. He teaches at the School of Art Institute of Chicago, and he's also at the University of Illinois in Chicago. And he's regularly exchanging with his students, which to me is refreshing and absolutely rare, y'all. I definitely was not trying to see my teachers outside of the classroom. And I don't even really know if my teachers were trying to see me outside of the classroom. It's like, look, I'm paid to do this. You're paying me to do this. And that's just it. And I even remember one time, like, I was in fifth grade. And I remember me and my mom, we were shopping at Jewel Osco, which is like, a grocery chain in Chicago and then like in the suburbs and I saw my teacher Miss Richie I'm like oh my let's go this way let's go this way <laughs> let's go this way but Alberto's not like that I guess like if I would have seen him as a fifth grader he probably would been like hey Stephanie is this your mom and like talking to us or whatever but that's just how he is it's not in a shady way it's a cool way it's a inclusive way right like you want teachers like that. Like Alberto's teaching style is probably like making kids a whole lot better instead of having us like running away in the Jewel Osco <laughs> grocery store aisles. But whatever, I digress. Alberto, he also runs a independent art space that's like in his home studio. And he does this along with his daughter, who is also an artist, Madeline Aguilar, or Madeline Aguilar. And I'm just going to assume that Madeline Madeline is a hashtag girl dad. And you know what's so funny? Alberto's space is called Mayfield. And you will hear me in this interview totally butchering Mayfield. Like I kept calling it everything but Mayfield. Just like how I'm messing up with, like how I'm assuming how to pronounce his daughter's name. I probably should have asked. Maybe I did, but... It's late as I'm recording this, so I forgot. So please don't come for me. You know, you don't mess with folks' kids. So, But anyway, I've seen Madeline out and about, and she is just as fly as her father. And Alberto also exhibits at museums, street corners, highway, rest stops, storefronts, galleries, and people's homes around the world. And, you know, he sort of reminds me of Missy Elliott. Y'all know how, like, Missy Elliott will collaborate with everybody and anybody? Like, you could be just getting started in your career, and Missy's down. Or you could be like Janet Jackson and Missy's down to work with you. And I feel like Alberto's like that. That's aspirational. I want to be like that. So Alberto, like you and me, likes to know people and things. So you and I are basically Alberto Aguilar. Like he's just always in the mix. So listen, you are getting to know Alberto at the perfect time 
with this podcast interview because at the time of this recording, Alberto will soon be preparing to be on residency at the Visual Arts Center of Richmond, where he will have a house and he'll produce work for an upcoming traveling group exhibition titled Self-Adjacent. And in September, Alberta will have a solo exhibition and project at Central Romero, which is a community-based organization that serves the refugee immigrant population on the northeast side of Chicago. So this is the perfect time for you to get acquainted with Alberto. And like I said, because you and I like to know people and things, and Alberto does too, this means that you and I have a residency and exhibition coming up as well. So anyway, listen, I'm glad that you are here. Here's the conversation with Mr. Alberto Aguilar. So Alberto, I'm so glad to be talking to you. I feel like I was introduced to your work through, um, you were speaking at a pre, there was like a presentation about if artists should or should not pursue an MFA. Wow. It was a long time ago. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I think I maybe saw you talking about, it was like maybe more presentations where I would just see your name. Uh-huh. And then, and then one of my favorite artworks of yours is it's like, it's the chairs and the desks. It was at gallery 400 and they're like tipped over. Yes. Do you know that artwork? Chairs and desks, you say? Yeah, they were like chairs and desks chip, tipped over at Gallery 400. I believe it's Gallery 400. It's associated with the college. Chairs and desks tipped over. Was it a photograph or was it actually? No, it was a sculpture. Yeah, chairs and desks flipped over. I mean, I know that I've done chairs and desks flipped over. But I just don't remember that one being at Gallery 30s. Gallery, you said Gallery 400. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did the chairs and doors that was at the Cultural Center. I don't know if you saw that one, but it was like a rainbow of chairs and doors. I feel like it was just like that, but these were all Navy. <clears throat> Excuse me. They were Navy. Yeah. Do You, you don't remember? Not a calorie 400, but, hmm. but I've worked with chairs and desks before. So yeah. I know that it um, exists. I did, I did something at the arts incubator <clears throat> with um, chairs and desks. Maybe that's where I'm getting the spaces mixed up because I'm just going from my, because that's like what's in my memory. Right. And memory then, thing. yeah. And then this past, like these few, this, a few weeks ago at your exhibition that you did at your home and mm -hmm. art space, it made me start thinking when I saw your home, I'm like, Alberto's work, what is it? Like, what's the theme? And then I like deep dived and I'm like, I'm going to just ask. And so I'm so glad you came here because I feel like your work is about family and domesticity. Is that right? But while I thought that, I was like, oh, that's interesting because then the art, the chairs that's in my mind, and I will pull up a picture of this and include it in the show notes, that it was like the chairs and desks, which did not relate to family and domestics. So what do you think? Am I right? I mean, I don't think so. No, <laughs> um, I think that I think that a lot of people, especially early on, when I was in the thick of things with having a family and being an artist and being married, um, like I think a lot of people um, interpreted interpreted it as that, um, which is fine because it was that, you know at the time only because those were the people that I was most interacting with. And um, I mean, I think it's, I think, I, I, I don't know. I think it's more uh, a responsive practice 
that responds to where I'm at and who I'm with. And like I said, during that time, I happen to be with them the most. Mm. So that's um, what that came out a lot in the work. And I have no problem with with that being an, a, an aspect of my work. Um, but I can't, I can't, I can't honestly say that that's the totality of the work. Hmm. Because I feel like I always see you with your family. Yeah. Too. So that's why I thought the theme. Definitely. I mean, I'm so, um, I was, again, I was with them a lot early on, but it's so strange because you saw me uh, when you came, we were here. I think my wife was here mm-hmm. and my daughter was here. And I do run the space at our house, which is called Mayfield. I run it with my daughter. Mm. Um, but my daughter uh, is is now an artist on her own right. Um, she got her MFA. Uh, and... Um, but you happen to catch me in my home zone, mm. like doing this exhibition, which I curated with my daughter, the Hyde Park Art Center and Edra Soto. Um, but so you caught me in a domestic situation. I am very interested in the way that the domestic situation sort of melds in with my artistic practice and my teaching and um you know all other aspects of my life i i'm i am interested in that so so that that is something also that i would say my practice is about it's about like we have all these roles mm-hmm. and instead of thinking of them as separate entities i i kind of just accept them as as one thing it's my way of like dealing with all of them and letting them all sort of coexist. Yeah. But without a doubt, I mean, you caught me in a domestic situation. The only, my son was here too. I had, I had four kids. So one of my sons was here when you came in, but he, he was actually like in the house because he didn't want to be outside with all the art stuff. Right. And, and uh, so it was, it was actually just three of, our group of six that were outside, but you caught me in a domestic situation. You know, I was, I was also barbecuing, I think. Right. Yeah, no, it was like a whole thing, but I guess too, cause I remember when you did the performance, you did a performance art with Danny Volk. Yeah. And your daughter wasn't that. And I was like, wow, he's always with his kids and puts them in his art. This is pretty cool because my uncle is like always with his daughters, like no matter what they sort of like roll in a pack. And I felt like that's how I would see you and your family because you speak like I saw you in this domestic situation. But I feel like anytime I see you, it's like that, like your family's with you, which I love because I feel like a lot of artists, you know, like I have a lot of friends that are single no children. I don't have children. Um, And then those that do have families, you might, you don't see their families Mm -hmm. unless I guess they invite you out or something to a family dinner or I might, you know, get an opportunity to see someone like, oh yeah, come to my son's baseball game and we'll catch up or something. But outside of that, you don't really see people's families, but yours are like so integrated. Yeah, and I don't, I don't deny that the practice involves them, but mm-hmm. I would say that it used to involve them more now because everybody's becoming sort of independent. And I also don't deny that I am with them often um, and I try to be with them as, as often as possible, but that's also transitioning now too. Yeah. You know, I have all my kids are either in college or like Madeline beyond college. Um, and they all are starting to form their own lives and their own, but that's not to say they don't, they don't come back. And that's also not to say that I don't, um, I don't, I, I still enjoy like making work with them when the opportunity arises. And then, so you have four kids 
is Madeline the only one that became an artist? <clears throat> I mean, I think that they, yes, she's the one that became strictly and specifically an artist. But actually, I shouldn't even say that because she also has many more things than than just an artist. Um, but I have Isabella who uh, goes to Occidental in Los Angeles and studies um, art curation, and she's very interested in archiving and history, um, but primarily art curation. Mm -hmm. uh, my son, Paolo, he goes to SAIC where I teach, um, but he sort of resists, you know, the typical, um, like, visual art practice. And he's very, he's, he's decided to focus in on architecture at, at SAIC. And then my youngest son wants to be a CIA agent. And I, I probably shouldn't say that like publicly, right? <laughs> I think that's a, like a secret thing. <laughs> but he wants to be a CIA agent. So he, he goes to DePaul and he's like, he, he has a study trip coming up where he's going to the Middle East and he's learning Arabic and he's doing all the things I think that he's supposed to, that, that he heard he's supposed to do in order to follow that career path. So, I mean, but all of them are appreciators of art. Like we were, we were just in Houston for a wedding. We all went a family wedding. Wow. And we all, we all went, I mean, growing up, I would take them to the art museum all the time. Um, I used to like, I used to like, you know, co coerce them by like giving them Coke or taking them to the cafe and, and buying them pastries and uh, at the, at the, at the museum. And then I would take them through the museum. Like I used to, and, and, you know, there was always a little resistance, but I would do it all the time. So this last time that we went to Houston, like we went through the art museum together and there was a still a little bit of resistance from maybe one of them. I won't name names, but um, for the most part, there was like, like th they just appreciated it on their own, on their own level. And it was nice. Like at their own, at their own uh, pace, they were, they appreciated it. Right. Yeah. No, that's cool that you know, like make little culture, appreciators <laughs> um yeah i think i don't know i just am like was like really attracted to the family piece because it's like fatherhood you know mm -hmm. like you see um like so many like as i as we, we were talking about residencies before uh we started recording and as i researched residencies you know, I was seeing stuff that's like all like artist mother, um, moms and kids and stuff. And so it's nice to see fathers with mm -hmm. their kids and utilizing, using their kids in the artwork, participating with their, collaborating with their kids in the artwork. And uh, it had me thinking, you know, um, as a parent, you know, the artwork of Sally Mann? Yes. Remember she had that photo with her kid, like with the bloody nose? I don't know if I saw that one. Okay. Yeah, there's this photo. I was going to ask your opinion about it. But if you have yeah. I was yeah, going to see like as like a parent, like including kids in art, what she thought about that. Right. I mean, you know, I have a lot to say about this topic. I, I didn't mean to like um, discourage you. Like I think that my work is – about that and but it yeah like that is a very important component of my work like i said it used to be a bigger a much bigger it used, it used to have a much bigger presence because like my they kids were, were little and mm -hmm. they were always here like now they're starting to, to go their own way um and i do have a lot of i do have a response to that photo even though i haven't seen it and i know the work of sally may and i know that there was some controversy around it and I also like doing artist talks in the past with my kids. I've also had moments where like I was criticized or, you know, like exploiting my children was brought into question. Um, I have a, a, a couple stories like around what? that. Like, oh, definitely. 
I mean, it's not like your kids have like bloody noses in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because there is this one video, which my son probably doesn't want me talking about, where we were making like these Christmas pageant videos. It was one Christmas and we were making like these family Christmas pageant. They were artworks, but they were also like, like family, um, uh, like, like family plays almost. Right. Uh-huh. And, but I initiated them, me and my daughter, Madeline initiated them. And we would make, we would usually do something every Christmas where we would make like, a, like some sort of Christmas photo or Christmas pageant. And then, you know, we would release it, release it on social media. Um, but there's this one thing that we made, I'm guessing it was 2009, between 2009 and 11. Um, we made this video series and we were doing the part in the uh, New Testament Bible where um, Herod killed all the innocent children because he was looking for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And there's this one video where, where, you know, like it's sort of interpreted. We don't, we weren't so specific. Like there was some poetry involved yeah. <laughs> in these videos. But there's this one video where my youngest son, is like in his underwear and there's a point where like my daughter's ripping off the blanket she's sort of acting as Herod, you know like oh terrorizing, terrorizing these kids and he turns a certain angle and you could see his private area through through oh, the <laughs> through the um through the underwear and he has he has i mean finally i think he's come to grips with that but there was times in his in his you know, from from maybe, uh, you know, in his so- or sort of early uh, teenage teenage years, where he was so angry that that existed out in in the internet, and that he he just had a lot of resentment towards it, and a lot of resentment towards me also because I, um, and this stuff still comes up even to this day, like this idea where I make sort of our private life a little too public. Mm. And which I don't do. I mean, I also have a way of like not doing that, but sometimes it seeps through and my, 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 it really used to anger my kids and it still has a reverberating effect to this day. Mm, Interesting. Yeah. I think about that with like reality stars, you know, do you watch reality TV at all? I mean, I have, but I don't do it regularly. Uh Okay, I love Housewives. I'm a huge Housewives fan. I could talk about any of them at like any city, any housewife. Yeah. I know about them. That's a current show? Yeah, it's been on for like maybe 20 years at this point. Mm-hmm. They have different cities. And so each city has like has their own amount of seasons. But yeah, they've they've been on a long time. And there's been times where like if the women are divorced right like in between the other the father might bring up like hey you can't show my kid they'll come to like talks because maybe a housewife was like at some event they like threw a glass of wine at another housewife and like their daughter was there or something but then it just brings up this question of like you know what's what's the boundaries when you're also creating this work which is interesting because if your work to me, it seemed about your life um, and about your home and home life. Then, if they're there, when you were start, when you and your wife were planning, were you like, you know, when we start to have kids, I'm gonna bring them in my artwork? Not at all. No. <laughs> no, no, no. This was something that I came through, came to through the process, through a very messy process. Right? It's not. It wasn't a conscious decision. It was just certain things that led me to understand that this was the only way that I can make it work. Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing was when I was a student and I remember I was a painter and I remember one of the teachers, one of the professors said, and they said this is a public statement, you know, and, a, and they declared it as truth. You cannot have a family and be an artist. And it was like when I heard that, it didn't resonate too well with me because 
I didn't, even at that time, I didn't know for sure that I wanted a family, but I came from a semi big family. So, and, and I knew that I always liked having family around me. So like when they said that, I think deep down inside, first of all, I, I knew that it couldn't be true. And then I think that at, as time went on, I wanted to prove that wrong. Yeah. I mean, when I look at your work and see your kid, I'm like, oh, I can have a family. I can be an artist with a family. So. Yeah. Yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad, I'm glad that, that, that my work makes you think that. Yeah, it does. And I think like as I think like about getting closer to like having family or whatever, I like really think, oh, how can I make this or like how would I yeah. include them? Do I need to think about including them? But it probably does happen by default because what I do also really like about your work is that it can be like anything, anywhere, at any time. Um, and I feel like the art world, similar to this person saying can have family, stuff always has to look so polished and you have to be like in your studio making this work and you will, you know, show at a gallery, but then you also show on like a stop sign. Like it will be anywhere. So I don't know. I feel like it breaks the mold of what an artist should be. Cause I know myself having worked in like different facets, like I'm not just one type of artist, um, but folks that always try to put you in a box. Yeah. And like, I feel like your art world, even there's like all sorts of art worlds in the art world, your work like goes through all the art worlds. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that? That's your, that's your work crosses Yes, all. it's not, it's not, yes, definitely. Um, it's not just, it's not tied, it's definitely not tied to this sort of like the, the white cube space. Um, in fact, uh, I mean, I still sometimes get involved in that, but I would say that that's one of the lesser places that it's involved. Um, like whatever, you know, like um, the the blue chip gallery um, uh, setting. I would say that um, like in a way, I also kind of resist that a little bit just because I know that that's for me, that's the place where um, a certain part of art dies, mm. that it's the least connected to the world. And that is the least real. Um, and I think that there's something, although it involves money, right? Like to me, that's also the place that art is the least dynamic. Um, like I think dynamic for me is, you know, when you when you came to my house and there was so many artists there and I was barbecuing and like I was talking to so many people and people were happy and people were playing badminton and people were looking at the art in the in the in the studio up above but they were also in my home. So I could like do the things that you do when you're hosting something at your home and try to be hospitable. Like to me, and then, you know, sometimes we mix like perform like, and, and I like having these events that are, um, you know, four to six hours long versus two hours long, because in two hours you could come in and you could come out. Like, I like this idea that people come, for a long period of time. In fact, that that event started at two, I think. And it was scheduled to end at six, but it actually didn't end at 10 because some people stayed at the fire afterwards. And what ended up happening is that there was, I think there was two people that stayed all the way to the end. And at that point, my son inside 
he was saying, what's going on with dinner? Is there not going to be dinner today? So I started to make dinner and I invited those two people to have the dinner as well. So like, it was just funny. I didn't even think about this, but it was just really funny the way that, that, that those two people, they stayed so long that they sort of like entered the full domestic zone before they, before they left that night. Yeah. yeah, just, just that these situations I'm very interested in because they're, they're messy and they're more like life where, you know, the, the galleries and the, uh, what do you call them? The art fairs, like there's something about them. Of course, we all know that that is not a true reflection of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you from Chicago? Yes. Where? Well, I, I grew up in a, in, uh, I was born in the city, uh, and, uh, I lived, I lived in the city proper, my, my, um, early on in my life, but my parents moved to the first town outside of Chicago, which is called Cicero. Uh-huh. And that's where I grew up and they owned a, like a grocery store there. They did? A little one, <laughs> a little grocery store. I want to own a grocery store. Really? Yeah. There's one in my neighborhood that the perfect location would be great for a grocery store. You should. Mm-hmm. That, that'd be amazing. Yeah. There I joined a uh like a co a co op, but they haven't yeah. started it yet. But like I paid my hundred dollars and I try to go to meetings. But the location that they want to have it at, I'm like, there's already grocery stores over there. Right. And I started because I'm like an only child. So I'm like, what if I want to travel or do my residencies? I can't be bogged down to this grocery store. Yeah. So maybe I can work it with other people. And maybe I could do that. But that's what I thought I could do with the co-op. But they don't want to have it where I thought they were going to have it. Yeah. So, but I still want to own one. That'd be nice, like to do something that that also sort of melts in with your your practice, your art practice. But did you did you know? about this guy, Thomas Kong, mm -mm. who had this little convenience store on the north side. Um, and he, it was a convenience store, and, but he also was a collage artist. So he would get all the packaging. He recently passed away, but oh. he, he would take all the packaging from, from, you know, the boxes that stuff came in or leftover yeah, the leftover boxes from the products that he sold. Mm -hmm. He would make collages out of these, and then he would put them all over the store, like <laughs> mixed in with the food. Actually, when I went there, uh, when I went there, I noticed that there wasn't even a lot of food. It was like mostly these collages took over most of the store. And he would sit at the at the counter at the register, and he would just make these collages all day long. Wow, it's like he had like a grocery store as his studio that just so happened like you can get a like some soup and a black and mild out of there. <laughs> yeah. And they were they're like really dynamic collages. Um and like uh you could still you could his name's Thomas Kong. K O N G. Um, yeah. Okay. There was there are a couple artists discovered him. And, uh, you know, they, they started, a, he, they asked him if they could have an, do an artist residency actually in the back room of the space. And I he, think I heard about that. Yeah. And they were selling his work also at Buddy. Do you know about oh, Buddy? Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. And you could get a collage for like $20. Dang. Um, but they're really nice. And he made so many of them because, because he sort of like did it simultaneously while he ran this grocery store. Hmm. I like that. That's pretty dope. But I know the grocery store in my neighborhood, it better have some groceries in there. Yeah. Yeah. They'll be like, oh, um, ma'am. Where's the site? Where's the place that you're thinking about? It's on 83rd and Stony Island. Yeah. And what do you like about the site? It's right off Stony Island and it has a parking lot. Yeah. Wow. And that's where I get so sick of some of these places. It's like, I want to go there, but who wants to circle around in parallel park and then go inside to get groceries? Yeah. Like, and I think it could be like sort of jazzy where you can have like a hot bar 
So if people are coming home, because there's a lot of neighborhood, a lot of houses over there. If you're coming home, you can get something like warm to eat and you can also get groceries. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I grew up in this grocery store and my mother would run it during the day and my father would work and she would make our dinner at the store. So when we came home from school, we would come and she would be cooking at the back of the store um, and the store would all smell like her food. Um, and then we would sit in the back room and we'd watch cartoons and we would eat. Um, so, I mean, like thinking back, it seems like such an ideal situation. It also seems reflective of sort of my own practice. Yeah. That all of these things could, all of these things sort of could be one. Hey, I just want to pop in here real quick to let you know that I'm an artist. I make work about social class, subcultures, race, and gender. These topics are complex, they're interesting, and they come up in my life all the time. Because I love to laugh, a lot of my work has humorous tones. I genuinely enjoy making and creating all sorts of things. My main medium is photography and film, but I also enjoy organizing art events. I would love to keep you in the loop of everything that's going on with my art exhibition, so please consider signing up for the Studiogram newsletter at missgram.com slash sign up. Okay, back to the top. I asked about if you were here from Chicago because you, you'll like invite anybody to your home and I'm just not that trusting. Like I don't want everybody to know where I live, but you're like, your Maypole is at your home. Like people can come to your home. I'm just like. It's Mayfield. Um, Mayfield. I thought it was Maypole. Used, I don't know where I got that. Used to Maypole. My, my dad used to own a house on Maypole, um, but Mayfield. Mayfield, sorry. Um, so trusting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Um, I mean, I teach, uh, you know, so I think that there's something very public about teaching for me. And, you know, when I think when I teach, some teachers are very private. And like, you know, like it's very important and, and everybody has to do the thing that they're most comfortable with. But some people, when they teach, right, they... I kind of asked you if you had a persona when you were on the on on this um, podcast. Yeah. But actually, I don't feel like you do. I feel like you are exactly the same way now, you know, than the, to the person that I was talking to before the record button started. Oh, good. Um, Thank you. <laughs> but like some people who teach, right, they, they put on this persona because um, – you, and they also try to separate their private lives from their their you know public facing lives or their teaching lives, and it's a strategy that is very important for people. And um, like I, I think I sometimes like disregard those boundaries. Like I'll I'll put my phone number on the board, you know. Mm -hmm. um, like in order for people, like if we go on trips to be able to find me, like I don't, I'm not, I don't know why I'm not, I'm not fearful of that. Even though I have, I have had a couple, um, you know, through my career teaching a couple, um, I would say scary situations um, with students trying to cross those boundaries in a way that I wasn't comfortable with. But like I still, even though I had some of those, like I still, yeah, I still don't create such hard boundaries there. Yeah. And I think that with this, and then I also, you know, I think early on in my career, um, my art career, I did this thing where I did, I, I did this thing where I invited strangers into my home to have dinner. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. But when I was doing that, I did not disclose the address until, um, like, it was more like I gave an invitation to people. I saw who was interested. Then I would look at everybody's profile and I would, <laughs> I would curate like a grouping of people, right? And then I would pass out the address afterwards. With Mayfield, I don't know why. Um, maybe. May 
So even during that time, like there was some hesitant, I was hesitant to like make my address public until it was confirmed that this person or that person was coming, right? But here at Mayfield, it's like that didn't even come into question. Like I just didn't think about like not publicizing my address. But I think that, I don't know, in a way, as the years have gone by, I've I've become a little more fearless and reckless. Okay. So I think that's it. And uh, I mean, so far it's been okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I, I admire it. I want to be like that. You know, I want to... I remember when you were doing those dinners, I think, because I I feel like it sort of has low-key inspired me. I want to have dinners. But I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to do these dinners, but it probably will be curated with people I know. Like it'll be my pastor, my Mm -hmm. Aunt Susie, maybe like you and Madeline, and then my cousin Terrell or something. You know what I mean? Like that where it's people, but then after you do all those exchanges or how can I open it up to other people? But I don't know, maybe I've watched too much lifetime or like crime shows, but I'm like, I don't want somebody overstaying their welcome or now they know where I live and they come back or something. I just, but I I really do think, you know, I feel like there's this, I don't know if this is in the Bible or if like a pastor said this when they say you need to like watch pay attention to what you watch. And so it's like, maybe because I have watched so much crime right. TV or like lifetime. I Cause I, I, I like client, I like crime shows too. I, I, I've been watch I've been watching a couple shows lately that are pretty intense um, with crime. Yeah. But they, they also have the crime solvers, you know? So like, I'm not, yeah, like there's there's some fearlessness in those. Like I've been, I, I don't know if you ever watched the series Luther. I thought that was a, that was an amazing show. No, I didn't see it. Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. I know the was, show, but I never saw it. One of his early uh, um, movies, and it's about crime, but like it's about serial killers, kind of like the the people that he always like investigates are like serial killers, and it's mm. really intense. But his character is so amazing um, because, first of all, he's so like he's almost like Sherlock Holmes in figuring out these cases. But he's also a very. I think the reason why I liked the show was also because he was a very flawed character. Like sometimes, like he would break the rules all the time. Yeah. Sometimes, most of the times, in order to solve the case and bring these people to prison, like he would break the rules. Yeah. There was also, there was always like this fearlessness in him as well. Hmm. Um, But I don't know. I I think that his came out of like a fear of not dying, not, not a fear, not, not having a fear of dying. Yeah. It's interesting because I, like, I don't do well on airplanes, Mm. you know, like I could have a million people in my home, but I really don't like flying airplanes. Yeah. What don't you like about it? Um, it just still seems unnatural to me. Like, like, like flying, like it's it's wild. Yeah. It seems too abstract for me. The idea of like so many people in the air shooting through space in a tube without a train track or some sort of track. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because it's like, man, these two young men figured this out. Like if they were alive, what they would, what they could see with their invention became. I just think about that. Like I remember seeing some movie of them, like one of them, like hanging on with like overalls while the other was like flying. And I'm just like, that's why, you know, like look at what this has become from what they right. were figuring out. Yeah. Yeah, all that gas that that plane carries, those giant, powerful engines at the side. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, I don't know why, I just can't. And, you know, like, I would take, I, I, I love riding the train, the Amtrak. Like, I would, in fact, I, 
I, I recently I had a show in Los Angeles and the gallery paid for my ticket and I got I got a plane I got a train ticket. Oh really? And, got, and I got one of those rooms, you know, like and that was fun. Um, and it's weird because there's more fatalities in the train than there is on, on a plane. Um, but there's something about for me like being on the ground. Yeah. That I that I that's important, you know. Yeah, and you get to look out the window and see like all sorts of pretty stuff versus just clouds. Yeah. Yeah, you you uh experience the journey and you're also like among people and um you know all this all the weirdos take the train so you get to meet all these interesting and strange people. Hmm. My father wants to take a long train ride like that. I would do it. I would yeah. do it with him. Yeah, I should. He turns 70 next week. Yeah. So maybe we should do that. He was mentioning it, but then he read some reviews. I guess, I don't know. He's like, I don't know about this, but I'm going to tell him that you like it. And I think I recommend it fully. I mean, you, you both just need to make sure to get a room. Yeah. I did it with my daughter coming back because I went to pick her up and she had so many things at school and we had to bring it back. And that's the other thing. Like you could bring back unlimited amount of things on the train. You don't need a passport. So anyway, we, we came back and she was dreading it, but it was actually like a residency, you know, like you just have to slow down. <laughs> yeah. And you just have time to think and you have time to do all these things. Huh. And, and um, I mean, it's, and, and believe it or not, I, here I am like advertising for Amtrak, but the food was really good. And you get all your meals. Like if you, if you get a room, all the meals are included. Oh, see, you're selling it for me. Just go somewhere. So go somewhere amazing, you know. Like they say, the one up, um, up the coast, the west coast is really nice. That train. Yeah. But you could take one from here and go to Seattle. Hmm. You could go to Los Angeles. Yeah. Okay. There's possibilities. <laughs> you know. Okay. So one more question before I want to ask you about your residency and the work that you are doing there. So. Mayfair, your Mayfield. Mayfield. Why do I keep getting it wrong? It's okay. I like all these names. Maypole. Maypole. Mayfair. <laughs> Mayfield. It's such a. Why did you decide to start that space? <clears throat> oh, that's an interesting story. I guess. Um, well, we lived on. We used to live in the city. Um, we lived there for twelve years. We live mm -hmm. on the southwest side of Chicago on Mayfield, pretty much Mayfield and Archer. So we named our dog after Archer. And um, we named, uh, we, we were, we, oh, so it was the second half of the pandemic, um, like the first half of the major part of the, sh um, when, when everything was shut down, right? Mm -hmm. The first part, I had the idea that I was going to do this um project where I was going to make an artwork every single day. Um, and that's what I did. And then mm -hmm. I would post them on, you know, social media. Um, but that ended at a certain point and then I didn't have anything else to do. So I thought that during this time when everything was shut down, it would be interesting to sell my house, sell our house and see where we ended up, you know, like just sell it. And then just like, force us to get out of our place and go to a new place. So we, it was during that time that the market was doing very bad or mm -hmm. sorry, that, 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 the, that there was not houses. Do you remember? Okay. Yeah. And, no, and, and people and houses were in great demand, but uh, nobody was selling them because of the pandemic. Yeah. So we saw, we put offers on about 10 houses. I think it was 12 houses. We put offers on 12 houses and we lost the bid each time and each house. And I think Madeline was the main one that was going with me to these houses. And it was just so much fun to imagine us in a new house. Um, and so we were looking at these sort of fixer upper houses that were, that had potential to do more things, you know, to be more than just a house. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we put offers on about 12 houses. They were all, we lost the bid on the 13th house. 
which is this house, we came in before it went on the market. We found out that you could actually do that with mm-hmm. the help of your real estate agent. Mm-hmm. So we came into this house before it even went live and it had everything, you know, like it had a giant four car garage with a studio on top and a gym up there and an office up there and a hot tub up there. Um, and then it had the house and the house itself was really big and it had a big piece of land outside. And we knew that this was the house and we put the offer in before anybody could and it was accepted. Wow. So then Madeline and I knew that we wanted to run some sort of space here. But we had we thought about the name forever and we couldn't think about, but we wanted to have a space that was also sort of integrated with our studio. Um, and uh, like, you know, so the shows happen sort of within the studio space. Um, but we couldn't think of a name. We went through every possible name imaginable. Um, but when we were, when years ago, uh, Sonia and I, Sonia is my wife. Um, we were thinking about um, we were thinking about moving to Arizona to the desert. Oh wow! Like starting some sort of space out there, something that is more than just a house, right? Something that maybe could be a youth mentorship program or a residency, like it's something that had multi-use, but in the desert. And Madeline heard us talking about that. And she, she was, I think she was uh, undergrad SAIC. She heard us talking about this idea that we had. And she was so excited that she made a, a flyer, like a print um, with that. It was a print of our past house plopped into the desert. And then it said Mayfield on top. And Archer was there as sort of the mascot uh, mm-hmm. saying something. And, mm-hmm. it, and, it, and it was like a commercial, a print that was a commercial that said, you know, like family residency, like it listed everything that it was. And I still have that print hanging. Um, and it was a really nicely done print. But like we realized that we didn't have to think of a name so hard. Like, yeah. We already know what the name of this space should be. Let's just call it Mayfield. Okay. It wasn't a preferred, like when you think about the word, it's just, it's kind of boring, right? I mean, you, you even you mix it up with different kinds of words having to do with, <laughs> with me, but it just made sense. It was almost like a commemoration to the 14 years, 12 years that we, 16 years we spent in that other house. I think it was 16 years that we spent in that little Georgian on the Southwest side of Chicago. Yeah. And that's where I hosted those dinners that I talked about. Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of stuff outside of that home, but it was almost like a like a memorial to that to that house here. Yeah, it's cool that you have it because I feel like there's a bunch of artist spaces in Chicago. It seems like like the natural progression. Like if you're you know doing all these wonderful things, that you would also have an art space. Like, I think it's very unique to Chicago, like all like the art spaces that are art, artist run art space. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it is great. a unique thing to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I want an art space too. Well, you should, yeah, you should, you should have it in your grocery store. Yeah. You just told, you just helped me decide that I had wanted one over the pandemic. I had yeah. this idea because like my nine to five is in working in movies, you know, and yeah. empire was filming on the lot next to us. Right. And they had all these black artists had given artwork. Um, I don't know if you ever saw the show, but um, they were like record producers. And so the at show. their home, they had yeah. a bunch of art like Carrie James Marshall, Kende Wiley gave files to print. So when that show ended, I wanted those pieces. Yeah. I wanted to get like a spot in Roseland in the hundreds. And, hang that piece and be like, you can see Kehinde Wiley, but it's, you have to go to Roseland to see it. Like it's on 115th in Michigan. Right. But they ended up, I believe either sending stuff back or having to destroy it, but it still made me want to have a space in Roseland, but 
we'll see. But now I will have a space in my grocery store. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Like a grocery store is just such a lively place. You know, it's like you, yeah. you get your regular people that come in. Your Yeah. And I really like providing customer service. So I always picture there will be like a senior who can call me and like, we'll just know her order and just bring it by, you know, like those types of resources, I think is super um, important. So, but you have this residency coming up. Yes. At, listen, I have my notes. I don't want to mess up. I already been messing up the other. A visual, <laughs> visual Arts Center of Richmond. Yeah. And you'll be there by yourself or tell me about that residency and how it came about. Well, here's the interesting thing because I told you that <laughs> I actually told you that like I felt like you were a little a little stunned at the beginning when I said that my work was not about um family, right? And domesticity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it I mean, I think people like they saw that my work was about that and and they still some people still see that my work is about that so i was invited to be in this show that's called um oh man i forgot do you have it in your notes by chance because i i wrote it but the show is called something like um it has to do with closeness nope i just have the august residency of visual art yeah i wrote it in the thing that i wrote for you but uh -huh. i don't but the show Oh man, I forgot what it what it what it's called. Um, I was invited to be in this show about parenting. Oh, <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's happening at three places. It's happening at the Richmond uh, Center for the Arts or whatever it's called. Um, it's happening. Wait, what is it called? I should say it right because it is called the Visual Arts Center of Richmond. Yes, there. Like the first site that this exhibition, and it's a group exhibition about artists as parents. Okay. The first uh, iteration of that exhibition is going to be there. And then it's going to go to a gallery in New York and then to a gallery somewhere else. I don't remember where the last site is. So mm -hmm. I was invited to be in the show, but they asked me as part of the exhibition that's happening in Richmond, if I wanted to produce the work there in August as part of an artist residency. Mm. And I, of course, said yes. And so that's why I'm going to be there in Richmond. They're giving me a house. And no, I invited every single, I'm inviting every single one of my family members, but it seems like nobody's schedules, not a lot of people, not everybody's schedules are lining up to be able to go. Mm. So that's what's going on. I wanted to, you know, like I want some of them to go. I was especially thinking about my daughter, Isabella, who's like now into like curation and archiving. And yeah. like I was just imagining us there at Richmond, in Richmond, like, you know, like exploring their archive, their history, and sort of creating some sort of ex exhibition around our discoveries. Um, because I just had this show at the Mexican Museum where I did something similar where I took all, I went through their hallways and through their storage and libraries, like everything except their permanent collection. And I made an exhibition out of all of their clutter. And I okay. sort of retold their history in a certain way. Um, and I was just imagining how interesting that it would, to, it would be to do something like that in Richmond where it has so much history. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, that's what I was thinking. But I also know we're going to be in close proximity to Washington, D.C., which I've never been. Mm. And, um, and, I, and I heard that Richmond is just an, a very interesting place. Um, so that's what's going on. The show will happen, I think, in September. So I'll be producing the work that will potentially be shown as part of this exhibition about, and I told them, I told them, you know, that I'm not, you know, like I'm at a different stage. I don't have little kids anymore. My right. kids are all, are all on the adult side now. 
And they said that they're very interested in that. They're interested in showing, you know, artists at different stages in their, in their parenting and, you know. Yeah, that's a life thing. And the traveling group exhibition is titled Self-Adjacent. Self-Adjacent. Yeah, yes. Self-Adjacent. Yeah, I do have it here. Because then in September, you'll have a solo exhibition and project at Central Romero. Yeah. Yeah. And in what is it? It's like um, a community based organization that serves the refugee immigrant population on the northeast side of Chicago. Yeah. And it's sort of like um, I'm, I was trying to remember the neighborhood that it was in, maybe Rogers Park. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I, yeah, I was invited um, to do something there. Um, and, uh, you know, I was invited, I was, I, I was presented the idea of doing something at that space. And uh, the more that I thought about it, it seemed like an interesting way. It seemed like the place that I wanted to begin my new, my new, I, I, I move in the academic um, calendar, right? Okay. So September is like for me, the beginning of my art year. Okay. So um, I was thinking about, I was thinking about that place and how that would just be an appropriate way to begin my art season. Um, a place like that. And then we went to visit it. Um, we went over there to visit this space. I'm trying to remember. I got to give you this, this person's name. Maybe I don't know. Do you do you, when you do these? Is everything included in the in the uh, in the video, or do you, you you probably edit it out a little? Right, it's edited. Yeah. Okay. Um, either way, I wanted I wanted to give you her name um, just so you also could know of her and. I, of course, am having a hard time finding finding it. You can always add it after. But um, type it up there. Her name is um, Abigail Winograd. Okay. Um, she's a curator, um, and she works, I think, at the Smart Museum. Mm. She and she's doing she's doing something at that space. Like she started like a like a gallery and a youth program there. So she invited me to come see the space. At this point, I already said, this seems like the ideal place to begin my new year. Um, and I went to the space and it was just amazing. It was like, you know, like uh, it was just a center where people um, of Latinx background could come in and find any sort of support from, you know, like um, getting, like taking the steps towards getting citizenship to getting WIC. To yeah. Getting, uh, to having their kids like be part of, of an art program, um, to learning to learning English classes, um, and when we went there, when I went there with Abigail, like all the all the people, the staff who work there, and even some of the people who who just go to the center, they were all having lunch, and supposedly they have lunch all the time together. Um, oh, nice! It, it just felt like a very amazing and strong community. And I met the director of the of the place, and um, I met the person who writes helps them apply for grants, and it just seemed you know it seemed like home. It didn't yeah. seem it didn't seem like an official organization. It felt more like a family, and I was very impressed by how yeah it seemed like everybody's roles were sort of uh, blurry there. Like some people kind of just are there all the time, and they live there. Yeah, having spaces like that are like is super important, especially when you're coming over here. Because it's like, especially if you don't have like nothing, you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do. Like having folks who are able to help and have resources to point you into, like, okay, do this, 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 is super important. Yeah. So that's pretty dope that you're going to be showing there. Well, I was interested after seeing them all eating. I was I was so interested in seeing the kitchen space. Yeah, and it was this tiny, like skinny hallway that was converted into kitchen. But I mm. saw all the spices, 
And I, of course, thought about the idea of like, because I make the mole with 50 ingredients, I thought about the idea of making a mole in that space and working with the kids and showing them that, you know, I think the whole idea of the mole is very reflective of my practice. It's this idea that anything could work. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things could come together, like 50 ingredients that seem like they don't belong, right? They can all come together to create this sort of sauce that is just kind of magical and, and very complex. And, um, you know, the idea of like working with the kids to make that sauce and letting them see that process would just be an amazing thing, you know? So I I thought I, well, that's one thing I thought of, of doing during my time there. It is kind of like a residency also. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's exciting. When you had, said that you had like all these ingredients and we were speaking to the kids I was thinking like can kids bring their own things like can someone bring skittles to put in mole sauce (laughs) I think so I think it'd be funny to put skittles in there yeah it's cool so yes bring skittles yes awesome well Alberto these are all my questions yeah yeah thank you yeah it's amazing that you're that you're doing this. Oh yeah, thank you. And that you're doing it as part of your residency over there in Canada. Yeah, one of the other residents because I guess they call Pooch Cove the Rock. She's like, these should be your on the rock conversations. So I'm gonna do that. That sounds nice. I'm honored. Yeah, yeah I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be on the rock with you. Thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for tuning into the Nosy AF podcast with me, your host, your friend, Stephanie Graham. I'm so glad that you made it to the end of this conversation. Please kindly let me know what you thought by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you're listening right now. You can also connect with me at nosyaf.com via the Say Hello button. And if you're curious about what's going on in my art and film life, please visit my website at missgram.com. Oh, and also, if there is someone that you're nosy about and you want me to have them on the show, please send suggestions via the same hello button and I will check them out. Until next time, thank you so much for being you and see you soon. Peace.